0: Ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to another edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, which is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day for Friday, August 28th. My name, of course, as always, is Javier Reyes, your host of this uh, podcast. Uh, check out and follow the Twitter page for the show, which is at LO underscore Padres, or my personal account, which is at Javapeno, which is spelled J-A-V-I-I-P-E-N-O. And if you feel so inclined, please hit me up on there with any questions, comments, or concerns you might have, and I'll do my very best to answer them here on the show. Um, today's episode, though, guys, um, I was going to talk about yesterday's games, uh, the doubleheader that the Padres had with the Mariners and... Don't get me wrong; it was like a tale of two cities. Basically, Game One was the greatest inning, arguably in like Padres history. Last like twenty thousand years, it felt like. Uh, and Wilmy, the baseball guy, kind of cementing it with that walk-off home run. And Machado with the two home run game. He even had a home run in the second game, which uh, didn't go our way, obviously. But uh, yeah, that was incredible. I, I don't really know what else to say. Like I was, and it's funny because I only. Uh, I was working, and I only basically got to see, like, that one part. You know what I mean? Uh, and then game two didn't go well. Garrett Richards, easily his worst start of the year, I'd say. Does He gets one out before allowing six runs, and kind of the Padres couldn't recover from there, um, even though Manny ends up hitting another home run, which was great. It's uh, Look, Machado's been on fire, and that's basically one of the biggest takeaways, I'd say, from yesterday is that he's been... I mean, he might be the best player. He's probably the best player in baseball, at least the past couple days. I mean, he's just been on a torch. His OPS is over, like, 1,500 now. It's ridiculous. Um, but anyways, I don't want to talk too much about that. Instead, I wanted to, for today's episode, talk about something that I felt like was more appropriate, especially with everything going on in the world. Um, I hopped on a, a call yesterday uh, with Gabrielle Starr of Lockdown Red Sox and Jeff Ellis of Lockdown Braves and AJ Andrews of Lockdown Blue Jays and... Jason Burke of Locked Out. We had a lot of people, okay, I'm not going to say the ball right now, but we basically just kind of talked about where baseball's at right now, um, and kind of the current situation that's going on with protesting, and some teams not protesting, and I felt like it was just appropriate to have that podcast today, and I, I just I just don't feel totally comfortable talking about just Padre stuff right now, and just how good the team was when we have uh, all the situations going on with Jacob Blake uh, down in Wisconsin, and You know, today is uh, the big March on Washington protest that was organized like months ago. That's happening today, if you guys are listening to this. So it just felt more appropriate to talk about like a more serious topic. Um, So I'm going to play that for you guys. Um, And actually, I leave about halfway through this, but I still am going to play the rest of it. uh, that I didn't get a chance to be a part of because I had to go, but um, I I was still on on for part of it. Got my word in. And either way, it's still just such a great listen. Uh, It's similar to the black lives matter roundtable that every podcast did across the network a couple months ago Uh, i'm gonna link that episode that round table from a while ago in the podcast description as well and i really recommend you listening to that right after this one for sure um so yeah guys uh that's about that's about all i have to say let's get through it
1: welcome back to locked on red Sox on the locked on podcast network where it's your team every day as always i'm your host gabrielle founder of girl at the game And Today's episode is totally different than anything that I've ever done, but not something that Locked On has never done before. I decided impromptu that I wanted to have a conversation with some of my fellow Locked On hosts about what is going on in Major League Baseball yesterday and today with teams deciding not to play, players deciding not to play. and This came about really quickly. It was not something that was planned, it was spur of the moment, and I'm just honored that six of my fellow Locked On MLB hosts are here with me to have this conversation. And if you haven't already listened to it, I would also like to direct you to listen to the Locked On roundtable that happened about Black Lives Matter that all of the shows put out earlier in the summer. It's a really amazing and important conversation, and I would encourage you to take the time to listen to it. But for now, I am joined by a bunch of amazing Locked On MLB hosts, and I'm going to pass the mic to them and let them introduce themselves as well.
2: Hi, guys. Uh, I'm Lucas, host of Locked On Cardinals. I'm ready to have this good, important conversation with you guys today. Happy to, happy to be here.
0: Hey, guys. I'm Javier Reyes, host of Locked On Padres, of course. Uh, you might have heard me before, maybe, maybe not, whatever. And I'm really excited to have this conversation, kind of a spur of the moment thing. And I'm going to stop talking now because I have to go soon. So.
3: I'm E.G. Andrews. I'm the host of Locked On Blue Jays, and I'm much happier to be having this kind of discussion as opposed to just wondering what the heck Mitch Moreland's going to do to the Blue Jays tonight.
4: <laughs> Hi, this is Jason Burke from Locked On A's. Um, I, I love having these conversations and advancing the narrative, so uh, I'm happy to be here.
5: I'm Jeff Ellis of the Locked On Indians podcast, and it's just its not necessarily a great chance, but I appreciate the chance to talk with uh, some fellow great podcasters and talk about something that is important to baseball and the world
6: in general. Josh neighbors, the locked on nationals podcast. Uh, I echo everything that all of my colleagues said.
1: As of right now at 4 45 PM Eastern time, the teams that are not playing tonight are the Red Sox and blue Jays, the twins and tigers, the Phillies and nationals and the Rangers and A's. Someone just want to jump in and talk about their thoughts.
0: I mean, I can I can say something because my team is currently playing, as we uh, record this and uh, the first of a doubleheader, it's down. It's like in the sixth inning. I think that this is just, you know, when you're just, you're in those moments that you know are going to be moments, it's, you don't really know it necessarily, but you're like, I think that this is kind of a a big point and a big point of conversation that's going to happen. And I think that's what's happening. And in, in not just baseball, obviously, as everyone's probably aware with the Milwaukee Bucks, probably being the first team uh, in the NBA that kind of kickstarted this whole thing. It's hard to talk about these issues, but I think that we're seeing a lot about who people are and what they stand for in terms of just at base being able to listen um, to other people. And I think that we're seeing that this country is still one of those places where there are people who do not want to listen. I still am a person who believes in people. Uh, I've said this before. I'm a very optimistic person in a lot of ways. But I also admit, I'm not necessarily a person who's gone through the worst that a lot of people in this country have gone through. Uh, so maybe it's there's some ignorance on my part, for sure. But I, I do believe that there are more good people than not. And I think that we're seeing that while there are a lot of good, positive voices shedding light on things, we're also seeing that uh, there are people who are cautious and worried. And I, those aren't even the correct words to say, actually. I'd say instead, there are people who are still concerned about themselves I was a little bit disappointed in uh, what happened with the Rockies yesterday with Matt Kemp deciding he didn't want to play and the rest of the team whether they meant it this way or not to me I took it as of them kind of the language of almost being like oh yeah we support you and your thing and I think that people need to realize that this is something for all of us that we have to address and talk about. And yes, it is going to be very, very hard and it is not going to be easy. And if you're feeling uncomfortable, that's probably uh, that's probably apt. That's probably how you should be feeling.
1: I don't see how a team can say, we support you. We're just not going to do this with you. Like for Jackie Bradley Jr., for example, being the only black player on the Red Sox, for them to say like, okay, so JBJ is not going to play tonight and we support him, but we're not going to do it with you. It's like okay, well then you kind of don't support him because I mean, thankfully they are joining him in not playing tonight. But for the couple hours in between JBJ's decision and the Red Sox as a whole, it was kind of like, well, how do you look this guy in the eye and like say to him that you support him when you didn't actually stand with him in his decision? Because it's kind of one of those like actions speak louder than words situations.
6: Yeah, I think it's an important distinction with the NBA and the MLB because. We, I mean, I've got so much more faith in the NBA, especially their players' association, to come together and present a unified front, which I think is really important. Uh, I, I think I, this is kind of a weird thing to say, but I, I appreciate the baseball players standing up, but I'm almost afraid of what their attempt at a unified response would be as players. I've been really uh, impressed with some of the individual responses, but if I, I don't know if if the players' association is going to be able to. Do something like the NBA's is like, I have a lot of confidence that Chris Paul is going to sit down and talk with the rest of the league. And basically, and, and, um, and basically they're, they're going to be able to start thinking about a kind of response. The Milwaukee Bucks yesterday during the two and a half hours that they were supposed to play a basketball game, they made calls to local officials about the next steps they could take to get some policy change. I could not see that happening with an MLB team. Um, I think maybe, and then there's a variety of reasons for that. It might also just depend on the team. But like with the Washington Nationals, you would not see that. I can guarantee you that group would not, for two and a half hours, that group of players would not start calling officials to see what they could do. So I think it's interesting that base baseball is going to sit in this odd spot where they're going to take actions like not playing, but they're going to be maybe even guilty of this of not actually furthering the conversation and demanding like concrete change. Like the NBA, those players are going to ask for specific policy changes. I can promise you that. That is going to happen with the league because you can just tell the amount of, you know, how fed up they are. You're seeing with baseball, Javi's team is playing right now. Some teams aren't, some teams aren't. And it's kind of like, what do we do? So I think baseball is in a weird spot. And I, I don't really know like where they go aside from the really powerful individual responses that we've seen.
1: It's also a question of, for players, but also for fans, what are you doing with the time that you otherwise would have spent either playing the game or watching the game? And that's something I don't think is really being talked about yet, is if you're a baseball fan or a basketball fan or MLS fan, like any of the leagues or, you know, Naomi Osaka isn't going to play in the Southern Open, any of these sports that are deciding to not play and postpone their games in protest what are these athletes going to do and what are fans going to do in the meantime, supporting your teams as they do, this is great, but what are we as fans going to do to help the cause? And what are like, like now we each have, you know, about four plus hours of time in our evenings that we would have spent staring at our TVs and tweeting about baseball. And instead, how are we going to use that time productively to, help further an important cause.
4: I think that, uh, you know, us doing this in our spare time while most of our teams aren't playing is a, a step in the right direction. Um, as I was doing my show notes for last night's podcast, I talked about, you know, what happened in sports in general for roughly 10 minutes and, uh, you know, just made some pleas and whatnot. It was fun. Um, and I, I didn't think that when I started this podcast that I'd be talking about social justice so much, but I'm still, you know, learning about like the areas in which we can help. Like, uh, where do we donate money? I I don't know. I wanted to put something like that in my show notes and I didn't know where to go. Like, uh, if you guys have some answers on that, you know, that would help me and probably other people as well. Um, I I know that, you know, just treat people the way you want to be treated is pretty much as easy as it gets.
3: I have had a little bit of experience in this arena, although obviously not with this particular topic, just because of who i am and and what I had to face coming out and first uh, to answer your question uh, b l o c Wisconsin is doing a lot of work with the Kenosha protest, so that's a good place to start for donations um and yeah it it's just it's frustrating to see the same arguments brought up every single time when when you have People like that coming out and just being like, what are they doing? They should stick to sports. They don't know how spoiled they are. And and just it's the same blunt arguments that only come from a self-indulgent position. And I, uh, I saw a tweet earlier from Mo Harquist of the Trailblazers who illustrated this really well, where he recounted the time he was with his kids in his car and he got pulled over. By a cop cop was really aggressive like is this your car Where's your license of registration and then once he saw it, it was mo harkless he's like oh hey mo sorry didn't know that was you good luck at the game tonight that's that's the point of these things that's what they're fighting that for. makes that it is...
1: okay what he did
3: <laughs> yeah exactly that's the whole point of this that Black men and women should not just be recognizable from a roster sheet to get basic human treatment, to get the the benefit of the doubt that is afforded to so many people just because of the color of their skin. And you know, for a team that for a week did not have a black player on its roster after Anthony Alfred got designated for assignment, it's a little little difficult to try and reconcile that, but. Um, when the Believers players were asked when why they played last night, at least uh, a couple of them, Roddy Telez in particular, was very effusive over what he learned from conversations with Anthony Alford. And I have to hope Taiwan Walker can continue that conversation because it's something that needs to be done in every clubhouse right now just to make sure that everyone is on the same page. It may not be a unified front, but at least people can be on the same page as to what the protests are about and what the heck is going on.
0: So, yeah, AJ, I agree with everything you said. And also, like, just to get on one thing, like how you said and Jason, how you were saying, like, I think it's a good step in the right direction that at least we're we're talking about these things. I've had that faith in a lot of people. I think that it's good to see younger people are talking about these things and realizing these things. It's good that we're seeing what the NBA was doing. And also, like, you're not a sports fan for wanting baseball back right now like that doesn't make you more of a sports fan. It's kind of similar. And, and I know Gabrielle and I uh, talked about this a little bit when it was, uh, we still didn't have a season yet, right? Where people were like, it's almost like you're rooting against baseball coming back. And it's like, no, it's just that there are things much more important than uh, the game of baseball. I know that sounds crazy. And coming from someone who's hosting a podcast on probably one of the better teams on this call right now, and one of the, at least one of the most exciting teams on this call, Yeah, I'd love to watch the Padres right now and whatnot, but I think that this is more important just to get a message out there and remind people and keep reminding people. Yeah, it has to be a steady flow, I think. It can't just be something that we do for a week or even a couple days, whatever, right? It's something that you have to keep talking about. You have to keep being uncomfortable and just kind of just do your part. You know what I mean? Find organizations to look into, find articles to read, find podcasts, to listen to even movies to watch. Right. I'd love to be watching the Padres, but I am more than a million percent happy to never watch a Padres game again. If I was somehow told that that would solve and I could make an impact, you know what I mean? That if I never had to watch the Padres again to get some of these, frankly, just human rights issues resolved and talked about, then I would take that any day of the week.
6: I think where a lot of my frustration comes from, and Javi, you touched on this, is it's positive that we're having the conversations, but it's the types of conversations that we have that frustrate me sometimes. And you make a great example of this, and that was, you know, the the, the idea that somehow there is a group of sports media members that don't want sports to happen, uh, and this was a, every sport experienced this from uh, mixed martial arts to baseball to college sports. As somebody who works for SiriusXM's college sports department, you know I was very skeptical that they could they could safely play football. I still am, and you know it's. But people were saying, "Oh, if you don't want college football, you know, you know you're just you just don't want it. You're a hater." You know these these media members don't want it, and that argument it was so ludicrous and crazy. And there's different kinds of arguments like that that we see in other areas. Like for this, for example, you know uh, people say, "What are you boycotting?" You, you know, you're millionaires. It's a horrible argument. And so Mm -hmm. I think it's our responsibility as as media members to make sure that we shift and turn the conversation in the directions it needs to go to be able to, like you said, humans have the capacity to do two things at once, walk and chew gum, if you will.
0: Yeah, I I agree 100% the thing. I, I hate the rich athlete thing, almost like uh, this this idea equating uh, success or mo- monetary success, money-related success, right? That when that happens, you don't have to care about anything else in the world. You don't have to care about anything else, right? That's essentially what you're saying when you're saying that athletes shouldn't talk about that. And also, um, and I've been using this uh, quote a lot. It was from Pablo Torre from like three years ago, actually, uh, where he was like, you know, it's not like where we do a great job at uh, listening to the voices of the poor. So that's why we need people in uh, positions of power, fame, money, whatever it is to to speak out. And just people like us, yeah, we're not, you know, giant NBA players or baseball players. We're not Fernando Tatis Jr., for example. You know, just because we're not, that doesn't mean we can't try. That's what character is. Character is not about being the best at everything. It's not about knowing everything. Uh, And we've seen, you know, just because you're an expert in one area of oppression doesn't necessarily mean you're an expert in all of them. You should try and learn, of course, right? That's what character is. It's about the trying. And I think that that's um, – I'm really just proud to be on a, a kind of call because I feel like we're all just kind of triers. And I think that that's how you get things. uh, You get the ball rolling towards real change. Not to
1: mention, I mean – You made an excellent point, Javi, about saying, you know, we're not good at listening to poor people. So it's like, in a way, like you look to celebrities and athletes and leaders in government to influence you. But then at the same time, you're like, how dare you have an opinion? And it also goes back to what you said about people being more than one thing. Like athletes are more than one thing. These guys don't just exist for our enjoyment. They are humans first, and they are athletes second. And furthermore, you know, a lot of these MLB players are not millionaires, and they are not making big bucks, especially during a shortened season, and they are still taking a stand. I mean, not everybody in MLB makes what Mike Trout makes in a year, what Mookie Betts makes in a year, Garrett Cole. A lot of these guys are fresh out of the minors, and they are just happy to be here, and they still see that there is something bigger than baseball and I think that's important to remember too because a lot of the trolls on Twitter who are saying you know I don't want to listen to a bunch of millionaires well yeah but you for some reason want to listen to a bunch of billionaire team owners when they say something different so which one is it
3: and just to pick up on that one of the big reactions after this came from the MLS where Real Salt Lake owner Deloitte Hanson's like I don't know why these players chose to sit out they're taking wins out of the pandemic recovery it's not about the pandemic recovery and like it's it's that kind of attitude that makes these protests necessary and he's already seen it on his team because today it came out that Netamonua who is a black Englishman on that real Salt Lake team has already requested to move because he doesn't want to be here and when owners that's sadly the only way a lot of these owners are going to get it through their heads that this is a societal issue that they need to take on is when it starts hitting their pocketbook, when it starts hitting their team, when it starts resulting in the performance on both sides being terrible. Sadly, that is gonna be the only catalyst for change. And a lot of these athletes, they're taking the only method they know how to do that by depriving those owners of money, by depriving them of winning and sadly if that has to be the tool that's used to get through to the delvoy hansons of the world then i encourage more athletes to do it because you know we can have as many voices as we can but people need to start putting money and and energy and resources behind this otherwise those celebrities that are operating in bad faith arguments are just going to keep pumping out the same sludge the same muck and we're just going to be stuck here having the same conversation every two months the next time someone else gets shot seven times in the back
6: yeah and it's important i think the ownership thing is huge like it's it's time the owners start investing in their you know these players obviously people too but like their assets like you know they're they are they are you know playing for you invest in their in their interests invest in what they care about and the nba did that and uh the mlb to some extent did but So many times we see stuff like Jerry Jones comments where he says, we're going to be graceful, I think was the word he used when it described uh, taking a knee and how the team was going to react and uh, how the organization was, which is, you know, just a, a, a roundabout way of trying to avoid the actual question. A guy like Jerry Jones has always had an answer for everything says, you know, basically says nothing there. It's time for these owners to step up and, and start investing in their players and the stuff that they care about. And, you know, it, not just use these teams as, uh, you know, cool things to brag about. You know, it's, it is cool to be a sports owner, but like it, it's, it's supposed to be more than that. Invest in what your players care about. And I know Steve Baltimore is a, a complete lunatic, but he did seem to care when his players spoke up. Mark, Mark Cuban seemed to care. And, you know, we need more of that. Like we need people who, you know, will will advocate in those ownership positions. And I think, it's time to start shifting the conversation to the, an uncomfortable one that a lot of times these owners don't actually support a lot of the stuff that their players do. And it's an uncomfortable conversation. And we've had, I mean, there's a, you know, numerous uh, accounts of, of bad things happening between owners and teams and Donald Sterling is obviously one. Um, I bet there's probably other situations that are like Donald Sterling's just have not been outed. You know, another one's Dan Snyder in Virginia too with the, with the Washington football team. It, it's It's time we held these owners accountable and asked them to start advocating for their players too, with their, with their pocketbooks and with their voices.
1: Yeah. And I mean, just to get into money for one second, uh, a friend of mine put out a tweet today about, you know, how the NBA is committing $300 million over the next 10 years to social justice causes, which is a very large amount of money, but at the same time, his, calculations determined that NBA owners collectively are worth about $120 billion combined. So that represents 0.25% of their net worth, which is the equivalent of the average American family donating $175 a year. So yes, I absolutely agree. It's time to start ho- holding these owners accountable.
4: And to this point of holding the owners accountable, uh, it's coming out, you know, as we started recording this and, you know, as we've been recording this, that The players are donating their money from Jackie Robinson Day today and Jackie Robinson Day tomorrow and, you know, to uh, communities around the world or uh, in the country and all that. And uh, the owners are are nowhere to be seen. How come the millionaires have to foot the bill for things and, you know, enact change, but the billionaires, they, they get nothing. I don't same, get it. Same thing and, for paying the
1: minor leaguers earlier during the pandemic. It was like exactly. David Price committing $200,000 to pay the Dodgers minor league system. Vroom, vroom, vroom,
0: everybody. Yep, just taking a quick break from this really uh, important conversation, guys, to talk to you about rockauto.com. Yeah, look, I've said it before, guys, and I'm a big fan of Dominic Toretto in the Fast and Furious franchise. What is he a big fan of? He's a big fan of family. And first and foremost, rockauto.com is a family business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. So go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They have everything from engine control modules and brake parts to tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Whether it's for your classic or daily driver, get everything you need in a few easy clicks delivered directly to your door. The rockauto.com catalog is unique and remarkably easy to navigate. Quickly see all the parts available for your vehicle and choose the brand, specifications, and prices that you prefer. Best of all, prices at rockauto.com, guess what? They're always reliable and the same for professionals and do-it-yourself Selfers, why in the world, like just just ask yourself, why in the world would you spend up to twice as much for the same parts? All right. So go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck, right? Locked on in their had you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. Rockauto.com.
5: One of the important things is doing anything you can and like us just having a conversation as we talked about. I think it's important when you look at the picture of just kind of making this something that can't go away and something that like can reach other people, there are people who aren't going to listen to LeBron James because of, you know, the points that we have made where people look at him as some kind of entitled athlete. Um, But they might listen to, you know, a person that they know, you know, maybe that same person who doesn't listen to an athlete would listen to a friend who also happens to talk about sports and just keeping this conversation going and I know, you know, I'm almost 40 and for many points in my life, we kind of excused bad behavior from people or an older generation and just said, well, you know, and I think we have to kind of get beyond that. We have to, when we hear things, we have to put our foot down because, you know, uh, there's so many things with just the systemic, systemic racism in this country that we just, they're still there because we've let pass. And I think it's important that, you know, everyone who notices and sees this uh, to keep the conversation going, no matter who you are, big or small, because you don't know who you can reach. And then B, to, to stop giving passes for things, to, to step up when you hear or see or do. And I think that's that's where we can maybe make our biggest impact as, you know, a, a group of, of podcasters and, and sports uh, journalists. So just find those ways. And. You know again don't let things pass anymore we really you can't where it's it's like see something say something all the time and i think that's one of the best things we can do
1: especially since people are acting like this stuff is just because of the pandemic when really it's that the pandemic has brought to light things that have existed in this country since before the american revolution racism is a part of America and has been since literally the first slave ships decided to go and kidnap african people and bring them to these shores against their will and enslave them so to act like this is just because of Jacob Blake or just because of Brianna Taylor which it is because of them and it's also about the people before them who endured the exact same horrible racism and violence
5: so and just as a quick thing uh time tears statement i in general just uh i'd like to see us all stop victim blaming in every form and every way uh no matter what happened or judging people uh based on what you hear let's just stop the victim blaming or stop judging people after uh, terrible things have happened
4: in, in this case with the 17-year-old in Kenosha he committed murder in front of the cops and was not shot but uh you know Jacob he had warrants out maybe and so he deserved to get shot 7 times and he's alive now and paralyzed but you don't get shot 7 times at point blank with the intent to not kill so uh that that's what's a little bit angering is uh he committed murder in front of the cops he walked by the cops with a gun in hand shot people and then he got you know taken care of uh, and not 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 shot not anything they they could deal with him with a gun in his, an AR in his hands but Jacob might have been reaching for a knife, maybe. And that's what got him shot. And well, everybody the in the AR-15. Midwest has been saying that they all have knives in their cars. because That's just the way of life up there. You know, uh, I saw somebody in Montana. He's like, everybody has a knife in their car up here. So it's not, it doesn't seem like. I have a knife you know, in my car. It doesn't happen. <laughs> in Ohio and Wisconsin. <laughs> I, I, I
5: do. Think... I keep one in my car.
6: I think what's interesting because Jeff made a point about it being like this kind of this just the repeatedness and in this the cycle and Lucas and I both attended uh, I attended the University of Missouri I was there in 2015 uh, Lucas is there currently and he can speak to this he's basically going through what I experienced in 2015 when uh, you know incidents were happening on campus across campus this is a place where uh, cotton had been placed outside of the black student center at one point in time and um, you know, demands were made of the university because there had been actions around campus that were racist and had uh, occurred over and over and over again. And things were tense. There was one day where we didn't have classes because there were bomb threats. Uh, you know, a, a Russian bot was made and claimed the KKK was on campus. I mean, it was, you know, all of the kind of the factors uh, of, you know, kind of the craziness of, the, of that of the world at that time came and. You know they got resolved for the football team went on strike. One of the first times that we've seen athletes really show what kind of power they have when they stand up together. And now uh, Lucas can speak of this too. Missouri is in a similar situation now. Five years later in 2020, where there have been incidents on campus, one specifically involving a professor saying something racist to a student uh, allegedly, and you know that combined with COVID and just kind of the way the way things have um, been trending, it's a tense situation and. Lucas, you know, you can talk to talk about it, but history is truly repeating itself.
2: I mean, absolutely. I wish that I could tell you, you know, five years later, Mizzou has gotten better. But I mean, things are still tense beyond, beyond COVID here. I mean, that professor who made that uh, racist and sensitive joke to a Chinese student in the middle of class, uh, I don't even think he's been fired yet. Uh, I think he, he's just been reported and, you know, suspended as they investigate. And to me, it was pretty cut and dry. But it's just sad to see that, you know, we've talked about it, you know, a little bit here and there. But even after all these conversations that we have over the years about, oh, things can get better if we just do this, 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 and this, 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 this isn't done. And it's just sad to see that these things are still happening, you know, even on a, on a college campus like Mizzou, um, where the, the administration seems to not really care about these students' interest. You know, and when they want to protest around the Jefferson um, statue, they put motion sensor lights and secure two, two or three security cameras around the statue instead of listening to the students and, you know. You know, just hearing what they have to say. So it's sad that Mizzou hasn't gotten better in that realm. It really is.
6: And that's that's kind of the point of this is that like, that's why I mentioned earlier that having the right conversations is so important because we keep having these conversations, and the tangible the amount of tangible change is very minimal. So that's why I think it's important. Like when I when I said, made the point about the owners, like it's time for them for players to demand owners use their political capital to start, you know, trying to force some change. You know, whether it be gun violence, whether it be police reform, it is time for there to be. And and I, I know it puts a lot of pressure on the players, but that's the way it's got to have to be. Especially if we're going to hear about in sports like the NBA and, and the MLB, like they need to devise ways that you know on an off day you are calling local officials for two hours to figure out how we can push a bill through because it's it's getting to the point where I think we're going to start seeing that. But it's getting to a point where. How the hell do we keep making the same mistake? And so, you know, I I don't understand how there's a certain population out there that that seems to find excuses and make mistakes like all the time. This stuff keeps repeating itself. It's not an accident, and it's it's not an accident that these things keep repeating themselves over and over again. We hear about it, you know, at, at a local level. How many mayors go into town and say, "I'm gonna, you know, police reform." Unions shut them down. It never actually happens. Police get reassigned in places like Minneapolis. We hear that all the time. Those are the issues where now people are going to have to attack those. Players are going to have to do that in their cities. Uh, they're going to have to get the owners involved. They have to hold their feet to the fire to say, you know, say, hey, I'm not going to play for you. Uh, the big stars say, right, we're not going to play unless you guys help us out and, and help create some change and, and donate money to causes and donate money to, you know, to political campaigns and stuff like that. The, the the conversation now has to shift to you know not just be like yeah you know everybody should be treated fairly we have to pinpoint the stuff that is going to create change like pinpoint it and say supporting these political you know political figures so supporting this campaign supporting this initiative donating your money here to this you know this defense fund and I think that's why it's important to have the right conversations. So we're not just hemming and hawing about, oh, you know, these are millionaires complaining. No, listen to what they're saying. If they have specific things that they're interested in and specific things that they want to change, so history doesn't repeat itself. You shouldn't. You should not be able to to criticize them. Like there's there's no reason for you to be criticizing them.
2: Yeah, you know, Josh, to to that point about you know conversations being different, I think that um, something that I've been thinking about recently is that people have always talked about kind of sports a distraction. I just want to sit down and watch a ball game and just kind of ignore things. And I think we're kind of seeing that that consequence now of like people have been ignoring things for so many years, and sports have been this distraction for people to just ignore everything. Um, that now that the players that are in these situations to use their platform to speak are kind of Doing that more than we've seen ever in the history of sports, um, you know, people, the players going on strike and boycotting different things, and I think that, that that's a good sign that the players are kind of doing doing this at a higher level than ever before. Because sports aren't meant to just be a distraction. I mean, these players are not just here, kind of what Gabrielle talked about. These players are not just here for our entertainment. They're people, and they have beliefs and and things to stand up for as well. And I think that it, it's it's important to recognize that sports are not just a distraction. It's um, it's a platform for players to speak their minds as well.
3: Sean D. Little said earlier this season that sports were the reward for a functioning society. And he was talking about COVID, but I think you can actually extend that metaphor out a little bit. For a while, sports actually gave the appearance of a functioning society in that people could just, turn on the TV, see their favorite scenes until they inevitably lost or came away with the title. And as 2020 has shown, society is definitely not functioning at a level that should reward sports. It should not let people be numb to everything that's happening around them, whether it be the systematic racism, the police brutality, the pandemic that is still running rampant in the state, everything is wrong. And if they can't get that through their head because they just want to be able to see Whit Merrifield hit a double, then now is exactly the time to reexamine those priorities and to figure out what you should be doing as so many of us have tried to do in these past few months. And if your solution to that is, well, it's the player's fault and they shouldn't be, then you need a lot more help than a lot of these players do, because that's a sign that your brain is it needs realignment.
6: And also people forget politics has always been part of sports, whether it be John Carlos back in the 60s or Muhammad Ali, who was, you know, People, I mean, I would argue Muhammad Ali is the most influential athlete uh, of ever, to, to ever walk this earth. And he yeah. was not respected, was not by many people in this country, well, not they respected. they stripped
1: him of his titles and they yeah. refused to call him by his chosen name. They kept calling him Cassius Clay.
6: It was but called arrogant he... and, and too brash and all of these yeah. things. And now we look back at him fondly. And that, you know, I mean, think about it like this is, sports and politics are always intertwined. Every four years we have the Olympics. There's always political conversations surrounding that. The World Cup. There's always political conversations surrounding that. So the idea that the some some two that the two could you know are divorced is is ridiculous. And the you know the idea it's oh well you know it's it's supposed to be a distraction. Sure, it's a distraction for you, but for the players, it, you know they can use that platform. Just right. You no, distraction is their real
1: life. It's their right. job and it's their livelihood and it's their existence on this planet.
6: You know, even if you're not interested. If you're not interested you know if this for you you're like you know what i just i can't understand what the players are saying i mean i think it's a bit short-sighted but in the end of the day you can just ignore it like the idea that somehow this is really affecting you badly you know like they're gonna end up playing games again and you're gonna watch again it's and it's fine like i think i encourage people to participate but we can't force you to participate in this you know in this process if you listen and say hey i don't want to participate that's fine but like the idea that somehow your sports and politics can't get mixed together is this ridiculous idea ridiculous completely absurd thing that has been floated around uh you know it's it's supposed to be separate no it's not it's never been it's never been the nfl has has the the salute to military constantly all the time, Donald Trump was sent a message at, the, at UFC 249, the first large sporting event that returned from COVID. Donald Trump was on ESPN on, on the screen. Separation of politics there? No, which I'm I'm okay with. But the idea that they're supposed to be separate is just ridiculous to me. It's it's ridiculous.
1: I mean, you look at the 1936 Berlin Olympics and Jesse Owens wins four gold medals sets or ties nine Olympic records, sets three world records. And it was during a time when Hitler was three years into power in Germany, and he was hoping that the Olympics would show his theory of Aryan racial superiority. And instead, he was forced to watch Jesse Owens, you know, kick ass all over the Olympics. And it was incredible. Sports have always been political. It's just that people want sports to be their entertainment. They want it to be like turning on a TV and seeing a cartoon and, you know, immersing themselves in that because they are unhappy with whatever's going on in their own life. But the thing that we need to unlearn is that sports don't exist to rescue us from our lives. Sports are not some kind of magical bomb that you can smooth over your problems, forget that they exist. We have become accustomed to thinking that sports are played for us. The way that a lot of people think about sports, and I mean, I've been guilty of this too, of like, oh, I had a really bad day at work. Thank God I can turn on the the TV and just focus on the Red Sox instead. Um, You know, it's just a part of how we are now, but it doesn't mean that it's healthy. And we're seeing that now.
5: And, you know, you mentioned Jesse Owens, and I know there's going to be people out there mad about this podcast and saying, stick to sports, but sports has always been tied to social change. And Jesse Owens in particular to talk about, well, born in Alabama, was raised in Cleveland, Uh, the city of Cleveland in itself, which is what I'm the host of the Indians podcast. uh, You look at that city, Larry Doby broke the color barrier in the American league. Frank Robinson was the first um, manager of color. Carl Stokes was the first uh, person of color to be mayor of a major city. I believe when, um, gosh, I'm blanking on Marion Motley and then the defensive player, when Paul Brown formed the Browns were technically the football players who broke the color barrier. Uh, Like Cleveland is a city and specifically its sports side of things are so tied to progressivism. Like if you are someone who's listening to this because you're an Indians fan and you know me, then you should know that. It's like the Indians were terrible except for this one period in the 40s and 50s. And why were they good for a 10-year period? Because they integrated first. After that, they're a wasteland again. It's like successfully being progressive and in integration is the only reason the Indians had any notoriety basically from the 30s until the 90s. And like I said, you go through the history of the team. You go through the history of most of those teams in Cleveland and the city itself. And, you know, the sports and the progressiveness have been tied together. And that's you can't rip them apart. You can't take them apart. Um That's... You know, it's good change. It's that, like I said, I keep using that word progressive change, but it's something that's tied to the sports history and I think should be tied to the sports identity of Cleveland in general.
1: Berlin now has a street and I think something else named after Jesse Owens and it, it doesn't erase anything that's happened, but it, it's just about under, I mean, there's so much of this that just stems from not being educated and I think that the most productive thing is to just always try to educate yourself. I mean, the minute you get complacent and think you know everything and you try to stop learning is when you fail because you need to always just realize that there are people out there who know more than you and you should want to try to catch up and you should surround yourself with people who are smarter than you and know more than you and you should listen to them and learn from them. And that's been my biggest takeaway over the last couple months is just listening you know, and obviously, then there comes a lot of action with that, but always to just keep listening. So, we're going to wrap up today's roundtable. And I want to thank my fellow Locked On MLB hosts for joining me for this important conversation and remind you guys again to check out the Black Lives Matter roundtable that was posted on every single Locked On show earlier this summer, and I will link to it in the episode bio as well. Check out Locked On Cardinals, Locked On A's, Locked On Nationals, Locked On Indians, and Locked On Blue Jays as well. Shout out to my fellow Locked On MLB hosts. Guys, I really appreciate you doing this with me spur of the moment. And hopefully we are at the beginning of a much brighter future than our present.
3: As as much
1: as I enjoy these conversations, I hope we don't have to
3: have any more because then that'll mean progress has been made.
1: Yes, or hopefully next time we have one of these, we're talking about that progress. Exactly.
5: I just want to echo, it was a great to talk with, uh, you know, very intelligent, well-reasoned group here. It was not great that we had to have a reason for it, but I am thankful for the opportunity to get together with everyone here and have an adult discussion.
1: All right. Thanks, guys. We will all talk to you very soon. Have a great rest of your night and use this time without your teams playing productively.
0: And yes, sirree, that about does it, everybody, for today's uh, podcast discussion. It was a really important one, a really good one. Again, I know maybe you come here to hear some Padres talk, but hey, it still does involve the Padres. In a lot of ways, and uh, I don't know whether they're going to be playing still. I'm really curious to see, like I guess, uh, like we kind of alluded to on the pod, uh, where teams go from here and whether they all decide to play um, over the weekend. But regardless, uh, still got some really content, uh, good content prepared for you guys next week. I'm probably going to be talking to Jenna Garcia of Lockdown Rockies, which I know I've said that a lot, but last time it didn't work. The first time we played the Rockies, probably going to do that for Monday, and I'm also going to be talking about the new addition to the team, Mr. Brent McGuire of Locked On Angels to kind of do like a a pot on that. I'm actually talking with him on Sunday, so that should be super fun. I'm probably going to post that this week. Uh, So yeah, guys, still got plenty of cool stuff down the road. Have no fear. The Padres are still here, all right? So with that all being said, guys, that about does it for today's edition of the Lockdown Padres podcast, the only pod that may be better than the Padres themselves. Remember to subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from, Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Himalaya, wherever. Go send me some nice reviews on iTunes. If you'd like, that would be great. That would be greatly appreciated. And until next time, stay safe. And of course, stay faithful, my Friar Faithful homies. Take care.